Welcome to Bleed TV, the podcast of the best shows on TV. And I'm Zach. And I'm Jake. Tonight is the uh, The Walking Dead, 607, uh, titled Heads Up. Uh, the director was David Boyd. Uh, he's got a few credentials to his name. He's got some Walking Dead stuff, but uh, Longmire uh, and a few other network shows under his belt. You know, nothing real high profile, but pretty good. Um, and the writer was Channing Powell. Um it's got some other Walking Dead cred, and uh, it's done several episodes of uh, White Collar, another network show. Uh, so both of them kind of low-key, but good quality, got their stuff. Um, but overall, uh, not too bad. Uh, what's, your, what's your thoughts on this episode, bro? They're the one right before the mid-season finale. I think this episode did what most seasons do, where they get you super pumped up for the finale. Yeah. Um, uh, this episode was not perfect by any means, but it did exactly what I hoped it would do. It got me mega amped for the finale. I agree. I think it did. I, I was kind of like a 60, 40, 70, 30 on this one. Um, there was, I really enjoyed the overall that it brought you to, like you were talking about, mm-hmm. but there were some things that did bother me in the episodes in a few spots, but the overall episode, yes, it was good. I enjoyed it. And it, it accomplished its goal of setting up a what I feel like is going to be one dynamic mid-season finale. Yeah, I think we're headed in the correct direction. I'm glad to see that the Walkers are going to be a major threat. And really, all the group will be coming together, it looks like. looks that way. It looks that way. Um, well, let's go ahead and dive into what immediately made me happy. Uh, we immediately go, which this kind of stunned me. I mean, we went right into the Glen. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, and I will give you credit. Did you notice the completely different camera angle this time to give you the entire, you know, understanding of, you know, yes, this was Nicholas is getting chewed up and yes, the, you know, the whole nine yards. Were you, were you appreciative or were you like, Neh. all right, I don't want to dwell on this too much, you know, but I'll be honest. I wish they would have just done this the episode this happened now i'm on record as saying that they didn't film it well enough to pull off this whole scheme they wanted to because when glenn's under the dumpster nicholas's body is in a totally different position it's on the side of the dumpster and he's laid on his side which didn't make any sense at that point but anyway i think if they just would have shown glenn get underneath the dumpster fight off some walkers and then cut it at that. He's still in a hell of a predicament. You know what I mean? Nah, I got to disagree with you, man. I think, I hate to say it. I think walking dead did an amazing job of making everybody go. I cannot believe they killed Glenn. And then there was that little tickle of, well, maybe, maybe he's not, you know, I think they did an awesome job. I can give him kudos. You know, it made me doubt some of my own thoughts i had to really go back and think and so on and you and i've debated it and that right there is what made it good you know if you went ahead and answered the question you know of whether he was alive and whether or not he whether he's gonna make it or not then it wouldn't make it as suspenseful or impactful i mean the walking dead has gotten more internet buzz and more you know fanfare about this whole glenn thing than anything else 
And I mean, I even posted pictures where there was like people who were looking at dumpsters and I saw a video where people were measuring the distance between the bottom of a dumpster and the ground if a person could fit and stuff. That right there means you have created something. And so I give them kudos. I, I, I was happy with it. I just didn't like that it took four episodes to get to an answer. But that's what I'm saying. That's the part that's not worth it. Yeah. Well, that's it could have been a couple episodes later, not four I don't know, man. It just didn't have the impact when it first happened. So, at no point did I actually think it was it was real because I don't know, man. When I watched it, I was just sitting there in disbelief. My wife started crying. It, uh, you know, you and I are a little more skeptical and detail oriented. I give you that, and like a lot of people are, though. Uh, but to you know, the people who just enjoy the show for the show, like my wife and so on, who's a good judge of an average person, in my opinion. She was just devastated. She was she was sold that he was done and dead. You know, your hardcores are the ones like you know finding the little details of yeah, oh, it could be this, it could be that. They're, you know, and then that's where you get that debate and that prediction, and that's what makes good TV. I don't know, man. I was really looking forward to him being under the dumpster, kind of getting a callback moment to the tank with Rick, you know, on the mic on the on the walkie, kind yeah, of saying. Yeah. Something like that. Because it's just a really cool call back to literally that was at the second episode. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I just would have, I would have loved to see that, you know. Yeah, I, I, I know. I hear you for you. You know, we had some feedback and uh, a new guy, um, Stephen, wrote in and he said he was disappointed that Glenn was alive. Would do you think the the show would have been better if he did that? Oh, no. No, I'm I'm. As much as I harp on this, you know, I love Glenn. I love the character. I'm glad he's here. Really, he's the main one that stands up to Rick to me. Right. He He's the purest character of anybody, in my opinion. Yeah, you could go that route. He's probably like the Never moral killed a center. Human. You know, always gives everybody a second chance. Always give people the benefit of the doubt. Even somebody who shot them and brought them basically to the brink of death, you know. Yeah, no, I really, I really like this character. I, I like that he's, I think he's the most realistic character almost. You know what I mean? Like he was just a resourceful kid that knew how to survive and that's it. Yeah, you I'll know. give you that. All right, so this goes into the next part where he comes out of the dumpster. You know, his flare gun's broke and all that kind of good stuff. And all of a sudden, the water bottle comes from... Here's your you heads know, up. Heads up, you know. Okay, I had a problem with this. This is just, it, was, it just seemed like it was way too quick. I mean, he's, I mean, within five seconds, him coming out of the dumpster, grabs a gun, and all of a sudden, a bottle of water doof, hits the ground. I mean... Do you think it was too convenient that she was yeah, there? Yeah, it just, I don't know, it seemed forced. Well, you know, I didn't know we were even going to see Enid again, so this was kind of out of nowhere for me as well. Um, cause she kind of said that she saw that he was under there and knew he needed it. And I don't understand that really. Like, why didn't she go down there sooner and help him out or something like that? Um, help make a distraction, something, something, but I don't know. I, like I said, I don't want to harp on this stuff too much because yeah. I, I feel like I'll be too negative about it. All right, well, I'm going to say one thing that bothered me that Glenn said during this little scenario. He, he remember him questioning, and he goes, hey, I heard that sound. 
you know, what was that sound? And I heard the gunfire and I went, what? wait a minute. They didn't hear gunfire. Remember, we complained about this first or second episode. Remember, all we heard yeah. was the horn, and you and I said, "Well, his, uh, you know, his assault rifle or his yeah. machine gun <laughs> would have heard the same thing." And da 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 And so there wasn't no gunfire. And I was like, "Well, okay, that's a little detail, you know." But anyway, yeah, it, it it was a it was a little cringe of the neck right there when that happened. But anyway, long story short. Glenn goes around the corner. Enid runs off. Da, da, da. He goes and he's decided he's going to go back and he finds old David. Um, now, this is my wife talking. I want to give her full 100% credit. She looks at me and goes, no, 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 no. I was like, what? And she goes, you remember Lori was nothing but like crumbs on, the, on Walker's chest? You know, that was all that was left of her. This guy was covered in Walker's and he got, he looks like he's got a few bites on him. And I was like, uh, you got a point. Why was this guy not like half skeleton, you know, half gone? You know, because eaten. they haven't maintained that on any of it. Think about the guy that came, that Nicholas came back and was like, he was a part of our old group. That guy was just bit. Yeah. And just dead on the ground. You know what I mean? Like they don't, <laughs> there's no consistency with Man. the walkers at all. Yeah. You know, it's like these fair weather walkers now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they 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 more go for the cool factor than they do the consistent factor. Yeah, that's just man. When I saw him like in full, he was he was good. You know, I liked. It. I honestly, I thought it was cool because I liked the fact that the the bar from the fencing was you know put a indention on his face because you know, he's clearly been sitting there a while and you know I like seeing how about, his, how about the, his eye stuck to the bar. Yeah, yeah, it's so cool. You know, like like I said, cool factor. Cool factor and consistent. Yeah, I mean, well, his back and neck and everything should have just been torn apart. Oh. I Shouldn't mean, even have yeah. legs. You should have seen his spinal column. You should have seen, there should have been, there should have been more there. I mean, we've seen zombies that you can see through their entire spines exposed. <laughs> we've seen their skull, literally the bone of their skull walking yeah. around. Some this Argonauts. David guy looks like he got five bites and his eyes stuck to the fence. It just, it didn't match, it, you know, with the, the level and amount, you know. And just like Nicholas, you know, when they were chewing him up and they quit eating him and there was no, his face was completely unscathed and they were staring at each other under the dumpster. Oh, his face wasn't, uns- wasn't unscathed. Well, I mean, it, was it almost- wasn't bites, though. It was like big like gashes across yeah, his it, face. Mm-hmm. Didn't understand that. but Yeah. So, like I said, we're not going to pick that apart. But those, man, that's that's Nicotero detail to me. You know, and I, I want to see him hit those points. Yeah, but like I said, I think he was going more for a cool factor. Right. The fact that you could see his face, you know. It's about the shot and the effect. And yeah. It is the consistency. I like seeing the callback, though. Yeah. To the toilet paper roll and everything. Yeah, I was happy that found because it leads to him wanting to go back to try to find Eat It, and of course it does. And then, I mean, I hate to say that I keep picking this up, but the, you know, she pulls the gun on him, and then commercial break. I mean, literally, right as she pulls the gun. Why? Ah, uh, who knows? Timing weak. Timing was weak. 
and I, I don't want to feel like I'm chewing this episode up because these are just little things that happen throughout that kind of bothered me, but I'm liking where everything went. I like the, just like uh, Matt and a few other guys that wrote in, we're talking about the new dynamic of like Glenn and Enid and new characters meeting other characters. I thought that was cool. That's something they really built on the last two or three episodes is, you know, new character combinations and how they play off each other. And I really like that. Yeah, I like the fact that Glenn is so desperate for his group and Enid's so desperate to be alone. You know, it's uh Yeah, she doesn't cool want to have that emotional attachment. It's just like um what's her name, you know, who was just separated herself from emotion, you know, uh Maggie's sister. Uh Beth. Beth, you know, how yeah. she just kinda walled off the world when her boyfriend, you know, bit it the dust in the grocery store. Yeah, and she had no reaction to it yeah. basically. It was just, like, ah, yeah. just another body, you know. Yeah. That's the world we live in. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So Rick and Maggie, they're back at Alexandria and she's watching and she's like, well, if he, he would be coming from this way, I'd be looking for a signal. If a signal ever comes, it might never, you know, I was like, okay, all right, you, you, you're making your point. How about Rick's comment? This was something that I kind of had a lot of debate about and he had some feedback on. He goes, he started talking about like, we'll, we'll take our time to go back out. We'll, we'll do this. We'll, we'll really think about it to make the best decision to lead these walkers away so they can just walk right in. This was kind of perplexing to me. You know, some people are like, well, yeah, that's, he's just planning ahead. And I was like, they're already expected to be back. Why would you take your time to remove walkers if they could show up at any moment? I, I don't know. I just, it seemed like the urgency wasn't there. Was I off with that? I think he was more like trying to please Maggie in a way because he was saying, you know, maybe we don't wait as long. Maybe we start clearing a path for us to go look for our friends, you know. Well, I wrote um, in my notes. He kept saying we're going to take our time, clean these walls out, and so they can just walk right in unscathed. Yeah. I just, just that take your time part is the part that kind of was like kept ringing. And I wrote it down and wrote it down twice. And I was like, if if you're so concerned and worried about somebody on the other side that's supposed to be coming back, that's like family, I just don't see how that jives with take our time. Yeah, but you know what? If, you, if you're if you sloppy, you could end up losing more of your friends. Touche. I'll, so, I'll give you that. I don't know. I just... I know what you're saying because you're, you're looking at Maggie's desperate situation and time is of the essence, yes. you would think. And then Rick is you know, coming back with something like, let's take our time. Be patient. Let's be methodical and do this right. So, yeah, I understand where your confusion comes from. Yeah. All right. So then it goes into what it could be one of the most disastrous decisions ever. Rick decides to teach old Ron how to shoot a gun. Of course, without any bullets. But will this play a factor in the future? I got to be honest. I was slightly on Ron's side of this. Because Carl was being a real douche. Yeah. He could have pistol whipped him and I'd been okay with it. Dude, was Carl not being a mega douche? For real. You know, he's like, you're going to be scared. You will be. And all this stuff. Like he's, I don't, I don't even know what yeah, to call it. Yeah, like he was mocking him every time he said yeah. something. Like, yeah, it was a little much. I was not a fan of Carl in this scene. That or the 10-gallon hat. That hat's got to go. I mean, that I love hair. the iconic hat. But you know... Oh my god! I'm gonna wait till the end of the show to talk about some predictions. We hadn't seen that hat in a while, but all of a sudden it's come out, and I've got a good reason why it's out. So 
we'll uh, we'll, we'll explore that later on. But anyway, you're absolutely right. He was being a dick. Um, it just gives this this kid more reason to want to go blast him. He just came off very poorly to me. Now I thought that was probably just going to be me, but man, I was slightly on Ron's side, and I hate Ron. Oh yeah, man. Ron's got to go. Porch Dick's kid's got to go. Yeah, I just every time Carl would like add his two cents, I would cringe. It's like, ugh. Yes. Know it all, prick. (laughs) You know, I'm just like, (laughs) I just was not a fan of that. No, 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 no. It really, you know. Now I will say, I loved Andrew Lincoln's like his standoffish, like, okay, this is how you do it. You don't squeeze a trigger or you're dead. Or, you know, it was very, not condescending, but like, you need to get the point and get the point quick. But I still don't fully trust you yet. Yeah, I'm you're going to shoot you and you're going to miss. Right. You got to get the gun up to your eyes, you know, and stuff. I was just like. Little stuff like that. That's good. That's good information. Yeah. You know, I didn't mind that. It's just Carl's grenades from the cheap seats that were oh, bothering me. I know it, man. Ugh. <sighs> All right. So. Now we get to the part where, of course, we have these little things where Rick's checking the walls and Morgan's over there, huh, huh, you know, checking his, you Forms. know, his, his stick, you know. Anyway, they go, well, we need to talk, you know. So they basically get to the talk and they stun us. There's a third person in the conversation. We got Carol, Michonne, and Rick. No, and the preview, they only showed Mich- Rick and Mich- uh, Michonne. They didn't even get to the talk at this point. Remember, he just stops Morgan and says, we need to chat. Not now, but we need to talk. Yeah. Well, I'm just kind of leading into it. We we'll go ahead and so they get to the conversation, and they basically come to an understanding: is you let five go, them five try to kill me. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but Morgan hits him with a little rope of dope and tells him, you know, well, why didn't you kill me? You know, and yeah, when I sat there, when he said that, I sat there and thought about it, and I was like, what a great question. I mean, realistically, you know, his answer was, well, I know who you were. I said, but. That's not who I am or was at that time, you know. Morgan's like, well, I was going to kill you and try my damnedest to kill you. (laughs) Exactly, you know. And so I I thought this was good writing. I thought this was a good spot right here because it was kind of a – those four have got to be the top four characters of the show. You know, minus Glenn, of course. Glenn and Maggie and – Those, yeah, but those four right there, they can carry this show. That's the foundation. Yes, I mean, there's no doubt. I really do like that they didn't make Morgan 100% one direction. He is still conflicted. He is still, he doesn't understand like how to continue with this all life is precious motto, but he knows he has to or he'll go back to the way he was. Well, you know, the thing about that life is precious, and this is what I got out of it, and I kind of bounced this around with a few coworkers and a few other people, is is that that is a singular decision that a person can make where only the consequences would affect the singular person. When you make that decision as part of a group, you can't account for the consequences for that because you're not making the decision others would make. And so in my estimation, if you were out in the world by yourself, you can live by that motto because you're the only one who can reap the consequences for it or the benefits, however. But as part of a group, you have to think about the welfare of yourself as well as the others, you know, and he's making a selfish choice of the way he lives that is not shared by others or even agreed upon by the masses as the way to need to survive and is even proven. 
Yeah, but I think he feels like he can change everyone's opinion. If it, if the yet attack- everyone is looking at him and going, uh, you gotta kill him, or bad things happen. We've seen it a hundred times. Right, but he's also seen it the other way. If he just like you said, if he didn't save Aaron and Daryl, they'd be dead, and the photos probably wouldn't have been found, and all the people in Alexandria would still be alive. I give it. I give it that. I mean, I completely understand. You know it, that that's a testament to the the writing was good. This this character development is great because this is the best stuff to talk about. This is the best water cooler conversation you can have. Oh yeah, it's the internal struggle with the realistic external one outside. You know what I mean? And I gotta be honest, Carol is, you know, judging by a couple scenes in this episode, is wavering too. You know, she's she seemed like a real hard ass in this meeting. Like, did you let some of them go? You know, like coming at him. But then later on, when the scene with Sam, she seems to be wavering and thinking that maybe she's become something she never wanted to be. I don't know, man. I think this episode, I think, I'm sorry, this entire season, she's proved that she is basically <laughs> the female version of Assassin's Creed. I'm just, but you're putting it out there. I mean, she is, there is no indecisiveness. He needs to die. Pow. Here's a gun. <laughs> I mean, this is. No, I, you know, I mean, all that, I think she struggles that when you see those scenes where she has emotional breakdown or this, that, or so on, I think it's really just that she sees what there's a lot to, that is worth loss or there's a lot that can be a heavy loss or heavy burden if gone and she feels responsible for these people, you know, because they are not up to the task to defend themselves or handle anything. And she sees it, and that's a lot of weight to carry. Maybe, but I think she's starting to have, you know, kind of uh, side effects to killing people. You know, I don't think she, it's like Morgan said, you don't enjoy this. You know, you don't, you shouldn't be this, you know, like you don't want to be yeah, that kind of person. Yeah, I hear you saying. I, I can go with that a little bit. I just don't think that's the – I just – I'll agree to disagree or disagree or whatever you want to call it. I just – I think they're really trying to make her as just one of those characters that there is no moral doubt. You know, you, you have your you have your Dales and your Glens that see the good in anybody, and now Morgan is basically kind of that new role. And you have the other side, which are like the Shanes and, you know, and now even like Carol and even Rick to a point where – the reality of it is, is that we're on this in the boat because that's how you're going to survive. And the other guy's like, well, we can try to find good in anything, you know, and like Daryl plays the middle and Rick sometimes comes in the middle and so on. So it's, I think like the reason we have Morgan on this side of the boat is because we have Carol on the opposite side of the boat. And so that plays that, that's what makes that such a good drama and such a good water cooler talk, as you say, because you've got both ends of the boat. Yeah. I, they've showed Carol break down. They've shown Carol conflicted a little bit, so we'll just see where it ends up yeah. leading. You know yeah. what I mean? Every time when I saw all that breakdown, it just makes me think she's like, she's lost two or three girls. She had to defend people, and she was just starting to feel maybe a little bit of normalcy again because she was part of a little cooking club, and people were complimenting her recipes, and doing. And she was showing people, and she was being that motherly teacher that she wanted to be like she was even at the prison, you know, teaching kids with weapons. 
and so on. So I think any time that things start to start turning good, something to make bad happens and turns into Shiite. It's possible. Well, like I said, we'll just see where it ends up. We'll but see where it goes. They've done they've done a great job. Obviously. I agree. So then we go out to old Rosita and Eugene, and we're learning the slash technique because, believe it or not, if a machete or something gets stuck in bone, it's pretty difficult to get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this seems a bit... Uh, I think I we found know, four other people who looked just as douchey slinging a machete as Eugene. So he had company. First off, spread out a little more. Don't <laughs> get anywhere near me Eugene in the back. with your flimsy <laughs> machete skills. Because, I mean, honestly, uh, Eugene was in the best spot. He was kind of in the middle, and the other people were lined up on the sides. I'm like, nah, oh. I ain't turning my back on any of y'all. Oh, my Let's God. get in a circle. And we'll slash in the same direction. So let's let's break down her technique. You got a zombie coming at you. The way she was teaching him was like a slash downward motion, like from the top of the head down, you know, to the body or so on. Do you believe this is the most effective strike to kill a zombie? No. I'm thinking a side slash to the neck or just the face head region. I'm with you. I thought this was like you miss and hit the shoulder or collarbone, and we got like that one zombie who had that stuck in his arm. Yeah, you're toast. You know, and not to mention if you do that down slash, you're going right into the skull, and you could end up getting yeah, your unless you got stuck. the wet raisin zombie, which Walker. there's a lot of. Yes, you know, I think I think you got better success if with a, a high slash. Doesn't matter if you hit neck, jaw, head, you're going to be taking them down. Yeah, I mean, if hitting the neck, if anything, like you said, it, it seems like killing the brain stem will kill it. Yeah, the base of the neck. neck you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah, just slashing down. I mean, it's effective, but well, the softer part of the skull is on the sides. Yeah, I think just more. I'd hack towards the cheek. ear region. Yeah. yeah, you know, ear cheek. What do you want to call it? Yeah. Yeah, man, whatever. There's probably some. Well, I just, I thought that was a. I thought you would probably have the same thought I did because I was looking at these slashing and I saw the home girl behind Eugene and I was cackling. I was just kind of chuckling. My wife's like, "What?" And I was like, yeah, "I'm watching you sling that machete right there behind machete, you know, behind Eugene." And of course, I got a slap across the chest for that one. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, yeah, we need Danny Trejo to come in here and yeah, show us exactly, how exactly. You need a Snickers. Anyway, yeah, um, <laughs> great commercial. <laughs> All right, so. You know, she gives him a little speech to motivate him. You know, I, I, you know, have we beaten that horse to death that he needs motivation to step up? Once again, this is what this is. I talked about this early on. I don't like seeing Eugene being a bumbling fool anymore because he showed that when it's, you know, the shit hits the fan that he was capable of rescuing Tara, yeah. carrying somebody out, carrying somebody walkers. fireman style. Blowing the kneecaps out of walkers, putting them down, you know, and getting out in a in a brutal situation. Like I, I, I thought Eugene turned a corner there, and I was looking forward to seeing him to constantly progress into somebody a little more, you know, able. Yeah, and you do realize we haven't seen him be a bumbling idiot until this scene from that rescue he made because well, he hasn't had any other action or anything else to even show him be weak well when the guy you know when they're having a little meeting and he like 
stumbled and broke some glasses on the floor. I didn't like that scene either. Okay, you got me on that one. That was atrocious, but yes. Right. So I just, I don't want to see him being a bumble butt anymore. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, we've got to turn the corner. And to kind of give you a comparison in source material, you know, Eugene has already turned the corner in the comic books. You know, he, he he's a productive person. Right. You know, that whole facade of a doofus or whatever you want to call it, that's, that's out the window bye-bye, you know. So it's time for that to come around, you know. The well, corny conversation and the hair game and all that other stuff, that's okay. You want to keep on that? Yeah, that's, that's a personality fine. trait. But the, the you know, <laughs> you know, I'm a bumbling idiot. That's got to go. Yeah, I – I would have rather seen scenes of them taking advantage of his brain, you know, using him for some kind of purpose yeah, in the city. He's created something that makes it easier to kill walkers. Come up with something intuitive. Oh, it'd be great. Yeah. Give him a pole arm where he can... Yeah, really. We can kill him from 10 feet now. We don't have to wait. You know, something. Give me something. Like, have him up on the wall with Rick saying, giving ideas of how they could be wiping the ones off the walls. You know, like, killing them off. Dude, you know, I was thinking, it's funny I was thinking about that. I was like, why don't somebody have like a flail? And that would be awesome. Just get a chain and get a big ball at the end of it and just be swinging that puppy down there and just knocking melons like you ain't never seen. I mean, it would be fun. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> now I want that crew. I'm raising my hand. I, I did like that Rick brought up, you don't want to draw too much attention to one side of the wall or one piece of the wall because then you get a massive amount of weight and pressure against it that was a good idea i, mean, I like that was dialogue. actually that's said. if you're using a gun that's making loud noises flail only you're gonna hear is them skulls popping like a, you know raisins yeah but you've seen commotion you know any kind of movement will draw them and stuff like that so you just gotta i like this the fact that rick said it I you got know you. it gives a little more credence to what's going on okay i'll, I'll go with that all right, it comes back to uh, Glenn and Eden. And, you know, sometimes we give the best walker episode. Didn't have a lot of walkers this episode. We, there was a few around the dumpster and stuff like that, you know. But Eden kills this one that was pretty pretty gruesome looking there on the side of the road. Thought that was yeah. pretty cool. Um, all right, they go on the side of the road and we find our balloons. Okay. And there's a helium bottle and they had this little dialogue, you know, and it leads to the conversation of, you know, she wants to let the world die, let it do it, you know, and he says, no, it's worth fighting for and, and all that. It's a good little back and forth. Dozens of times. Yeah. Um, we've beaten that horse. Um, a couple of little things about this. I was thinking about the timeline of everything. Okay. You remember when Michonne and the whole group was together and they were getting surrounded by this and they all got separated. You know, Glenn and Nick went to this dumpster and they went to the pet store and all that stuff and they lost Dave on the way out. It made me feel like Michonne and them, it took them a long time to get back to Alexandria. Because remember it was from the, they were running and doing their whole thing, going across creeks, going across this, you know, like that. With the very end episode, they finally make it there. You know what I mean? Yep. My man Glenn, two shots later, he's he's at Alexandria. Yeah, I mean, but I was happy about it. I don't want to see the I, Glenn and Enid show. Yeah, I just I thought that was kind of strange. But here here's the part I was uh, I was getting to the timeline. So I went back and I watched the episodes. Do you realize like the timeline of all this is that this entire season has elapsed over one twenty four to forty eight hour period? Because you think about it. 
Glenn got put under that dumpster the same day they were running to go and divert the horde that broke through at the quarry. This is all one day. Can you know. believe that? They've shown they've shown a night one nighttime scene where Deanna and Spencer fight over the food and stuff like that. Where Deanna goes AWOL on a chest of a walker. But then they showed another night where Spencer takes over for Rosita on the wall. Let's see, I was thinking the same thing. But so I went back and I watched. But Glenn's story and like that, they never stayed the night. Michonne like that, the whole nine yards. He, this is him making it back. So the timeline doesn't match. You just, I mean, that's what I was trying to get to is that we've seen a night with Rick and them. But Glenn has yet to see a night. No, I think they showed that Glenn was underneath that dumpster for a couple days. I don't think so. When because I walked, it said, he was I running out of water. It, it never showed a nighttime scene. I know they didn't show it. And he proved it. Like I know why I brought it up, too. Because when I watched The Talking Dead, it even said it in the fresh buzz that you realize Glenn's story is for a 24-hour period from when he started episode one all the way to here is less than 48 hours. And so because it said that in Talking Dead. And so I was writing in my notes. And so that's why I went back and watched. I was like, wait a minute, that doesn't match. Because like Tova, you know, the Deanne character, you know, she, I remember her attacking, you know, getting attacked by a walker at night and it was early in the season. And then we had another, so the Alexandrians are two days in, but Glenn shows up with the walker surrounded before the walkers are actually there. Well, the thing of it is too, is you got Enid leaving Alexandria and making it to Glenn. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a time pass from there to there as well. The timing's off. Well, the timing's always been off. Yeah, but like this. It's continuity. It's a little more obvious, you know. Like I said, there's certain things I just can't bring myself to pick on on this show. Because if you try too hard, you could just thrash the show. It didn't really, really hit me until I was walking Talking Dead. And they sat there and they made that little snippet where they said, this is all about a 24-hour period. I was like, wait a minute. So then I went back and looked. So it's almost like Talking Dead made me aware because I wasn't thinking about it when I was watching the actual show. Yeah, because they showed that Glenn was underneath the dumpster for a long time. Right, they did. But, I mean, 24 hours without water and food and you just got through fighting off dumpster. several. Yeah, you're oh, under, yeah. That's got to be Smelling good under there, Jack. Ugh, disgusting. God. So, I mean... <laughs> I'd want some water too, but I don't know. Like I said, I, I won't dive into it too much because that'll just make my head hurt. <laughs> I hear you. All right. Now I can't, I can't wait for your opinion on this part coming up. All right. Spencer and this tight wire act. Hit me with it. I can't, I can't, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you go first. This is dog shit. Dog shit <laughs> Thank you. I mean, this, They've this was tough to watch. They have totally missed the mark on this Spencer character. My he gosh. is a roller coaster. What oh is this guy? Oh, my Lord. Not only that, the everything apart, everything about this entire scene from the beginning, the setup, how it unfolded, how he was saved, to the whole night, it, every part just about bothered me. I mean, there was just little thing after little thing. 
right, first of all, we throw a grappling hook onto a tin roof of a building across the way, okay? Speaking from the constructing experience, okay, that little tin piece that goes across the top of your... You that's know, your just piece. supposed to redirect rainwater? Yeah, that's it. And it is the flimsiest, thin, <laughs> you're like, tiniest gauge, I mean... You could pull on it with a good tug, and you would tear that right off of there. Yeah. Okay? It ain't holding body weight. All right? And so when it showed that whole little part, I was like, no. (laughs) You know? So then, we got a fully grown... This guy ain't small. This guy looks like he's 6'4", 6'5", every bit of two bills. No. Okay? So that's problem number one. Problem number two, we run all over there. We're hollering, what are you doing? Come back. You know, da-da-da-da. Get all that. Zombies are going crazy, blah, blah, blah. Of course, the roof fails, stereotypical, and he falls to a completely giant void into the ground of non-walkers. Yeah, they made a nice, perfect little hole for him to land in. <laughs> Thank you. Like I it was, was like, like it was a mosh Back kit. up, back up, guys. Back up, back up, back up. <laughs> like, you ever seen those videos? Let the ground back up. Look. They're crowd like, surfing, and they go to jump off the stage, and everybody backs away. It's like, exactly. Let the ground hold him. Yeah. I was like, no. Are you serious? And, and the second that happened, I knew he was living. The oh, second yeah, it, it happened, I was like, okay, yeah, there's no danger here. Yeah, it was crap. Um, so then he goes up the wall, right? He's going to go up the wall on the rope, and Rick's pulling him and like that. You know, it's all good. Terrace. By the way, it takes four dudes to get this giant Terrace guy. But the tin roof off. could hold him for a little while, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Then... Crack shot Tara yeah. from over 30 yards away with a 9 milli 40. I don't care what it was. I don't care if it had a laser with scope. She was dropping Walker's heads like it was going out of yeah. style. <laughs> no missed shots. No nothing. Every one of them was a headshot. And you got I was r- like, oh my God, you got to be kidding me. And you got Rick yelling at her, yeah. what are you doing you know, oh. you don't risk your life to save these people. Yeah, these people. On another great line. Yeah. You know, when we're all trying to gel together as Alexandrians like that, and why you risk your life for these people? You know, and she gives them the finger. I mean, from start to finish, this entire thing, I was like, blah. How awful. do you like? How do you like how they strategically placed the board to block Tara's stomach? If you haven't noticed, Tara's super pregnant. By the way. I haven't noticed. You haven't noticed? I haven't. That's why she looks so different in that episode we talked about. She's full-blown pregnant. There ain't no such thing as part-time pregnancy. Yeah, so she's got a belly. So if you see the scenes ever, they got her dressed in black now, and they only shoot her from the front to hide her belly. But when she's up there and gives the bird to Rick, the crossboard runs perfectly across her stomach. (laughs) Okay? And that's how they're shooting them. Now, if you watch the previews for next episode, you'll see her running to help that guy up off the ground. Oh man, it's just belly. There's not like she's not like full on huge showing, showing. But she's got a four month belly going. <laughs> four or five month. And uh, oh. that's why she looks different. That's what's going on. She's oh, got that glow. Oh my god. <sighs> but yeah, this whole Spencer scene, tell me what his character is. Remember I said that I don't know this guy? Like I don't know this person in real life. I still don't. Yeah. But, I mean, he only comes in when it's convenient to look like a douche. But why Why would the guy who's stealing food, getting drunk, it's the end of the world, shut up, mom, you know, this place is ruined, being the guy that's going to be all brave and try to grab Take initiative hook. all of a sudden. Yeah, it's 
dumb. Uh, I, I don't want to go inside. Hide. Remember that? The whole scenario with him and Morgan? But now we're going to throw a grappling hook across there. Yeah. By the way, have you ever heard something metal hit a tin roof? It ain't quiet. No, it's pretty So racket. I think if you hear clink, clink, I think everybody like, uh, what the heck was that? You know? The walkers are down there like, really? Yeah. I mean. Really, are we really go, no threat to you? Go. Come on, man. Now, the biggest blunder is the gap on the ground. Thank you. Yeah. Everybody out of the way. I don't want you to get hurt. Oh, we got 20 deep here. Yeah. 20 deep on the walls. The scene right before. Except for right all, where he falls. Yeah, they're all their hands within inches of his, you know, like like you said. I mean, oh, God, look like refugees looking for food. I mean, and he said he falls and they're just a giant void. Yeah, it was like some wily Coyote garbage. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. So the next thing that was comical. You know, and it was actually before this, and I kind of forgot it. All right. Rick's carpentry skills. <laughs> I'm sorry. And speaking as another guy who has carpentry and construction in the background, I'm watching this guy. We're putting, <laughs> we're putting a piece of wood on two metal frame boards with some sh- you know, sheet metal screws, okay, using a Phillips head screwdriver to try to drive them into this so what do you giant C-channel wall. Eight-gauge steel. <laughs> I'm just, just like, like, what not, the? Not in any world will this I'm be possible. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, the I, Hulk couldn't twist that screw through that I mean, C-channel. <laughs> are you kidding? What did this board serve when you have this giant structural C-channel steel and you put a piece of timber on the side of this? What were they? I mean, I was like, I know I what they away. were doing with the fact they put the they put an angle board onto the piece of wood. But my thing was just angle that board up against the C channel. Really? Both of them. Put two braces on there. I was just like, huh? I mean, don't get wrong. When you see the other scenes later, you see what they're trying to accomplish. I was just still dumb. Give me a real carpenter. That comes out here to show what people are supposed to do. Don't make it look like this. And look, we've all been in that. Well, a lot of people have been in that part where you have a board. You have the nails in your mouth. You have a drill in one hand. You're trying to hold the board with the other. (laughs) And that one side of the board just keeps flopping over. You're like, damn it. Damn it. You keep losing your place and stuff like that. And I was happy when I saw the other guy walk up and put his hand on there. But there's also a part where... That guy walks away to look at another piece of wood. Rick takes his hands off, and that board just sitting there with no screws driven in it yet. Floating. <laughs> it's just floating <laughs> up against the metal. So that thing is already screwed Magic in on board. the bottom. <laughs> Magic board. <laughs> this is all BS. Every bit of this. I'm like, I don't think Andy Lincoln. I would have loved it was a hammer and a nail. That have been doing Into it a right piece there. Of metal. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't like. Actually, it. it had perfectly drilled holes for these little sheet metal screws that they were going to use. And he is banging the shit out of this thing, making all kinds of racket. Yeah, let's don't attract any walkers to <laughs> what is evidently the weak spot of your wall. Yeah, and I'm banging on this thing like <laughs> John Henry. You know? <laughs> just beating the hell out of this piece of wood. I'll just mold this piece of wood to the C channel <laughs> with this beating it with a hammer. I just man, this was 
This was tough. This was tough, man. I'm trying to say, that's why I said I was 60, 70% on this one because there were some scenes I was like, does nobody have any carpentry skills? Does nobody realize what this does? You (laughs) completely say a story of, we're not going to make loud noises to have a central focus on a weak wall. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Oh, by the way, Tara unloads a magazine to save this guy. And this is the spot where we have a void of walkers. I mean, Okay. Yeah, now, for for an episode I enjoyed a lot, there's just little parts Technical. of it that are like, ugh, why? <laughs> you insult my eyeballs with this. Yeah. My brain hurts. Yes. Oh, my God. All right. So we're but, gonna... but just getting into it, I like this big guy talking to Rick. You know, we all thought you were crazy coming in here with your beard. Dude, I like this guy as a character. I do, too. I, I wish they'd make him more because they made him a chump in the beginning. But they've you made know, this guy like play all sides. Yeah, he's just he's just scared, and he admits it. He's yeah. like, you know, you intimidated me when I got here. I was one of them scared, and you know, I just want to live and da da da. You know that kind of stuff. It was it was sincere. It was a good dialogue. I appreciated it, and it needed to happen. And, and and but I know this guy probably won't become a dynamic character, even though I do like him. Just like David, I enjoyed that guy. Yeah, you know, but we had yeah. to find out all that information after he was already had his death sentence of a bite. You know. Yeah, I'm afraid this uh, carpenter buddy's going to see a similar yeah. fate. But at you know, some he's point. been around since the first episode. He's always been as you know a consistent extra. Yeah, you know? but yeah, I mean, he's fluff. I mean, he's he's an easy de- death. They're building him up just enough to where you know his face. So when he dies, there's some impact. Yes, that's how I, I feel about it. I agree. All right. Morgan and Denise have a couple times where they get together during the show, and they uh, they kind of you know there's a little dialogue back and forth, but basically it leads to you know they had this cool little thing where she's got her little cheat sheet, you know the you know pus swelling redness all that, you know all that kind of stuff. And I thought she it was had pretty an neat. anagram for it. Yeah, and I thought it was pretty good. My, you know, my wife being a medical part of it, she was like, oh, that's legit. You know, that's yep. that's that's good stuff. That's You know, if you were a person who was trying to learn and be somebody on the fly, that's good, you know. So that shows they took the technical time and, you know, it's pretty pleased to really write that and have that information. So kudos there. You know, and then, of course, I really liked how Morgan was beating around the bush of, you know, hey, how would you handle this? But it's not for me. I'm not sure if I want to get you a part of something. Yeah. I really enjoy, I, I liked that. I thought it was good. Yeah, because like, like he's saying, if all life is precious, then he doesn't want to drag her life into this either. Because she could just as easily, for being an accomplice to anything, could be exiled, killed, whatever. Well, that goes back to my point earlier. I said, when you make that decision that all life is precious, that's a singular decision. And when you make it a part of a group, then everybody can suffer for the consequences of it. And so that's why he was trying to exclude her from that decision. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I, I thought it was good. Uh, Carol... Yeah. Catching them on the on the on the sly, holding old baby Judith there, you know. Judith, huge at this point, big time. Big and they time. talk about who was that that said that um, Judith is starting to look like Lori. Lori. Who was it? Who said that? Um, is that Michonne? Hmm. Well, it has to be. There's only a few people who've ever seen Lori. No, Michonne's no, never Maggie. seen. Maggie, Maggie said it. Yeah, I'm going to say, because there's only, there's only a couple characters left that are alive that ever knew Lori. Let me go ahead and tell you, Judith weighs more than Lori at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lori weighed a solid 37 pounds. 
<laughs> it was the only reason why that walker was able to devour her. Oh, yeah, okay. Don't get don't get me started on that. Uh, anybody that exists All right, so then we finally have this. Carol kind of exposes, goes up there, and un- has the same key to the cell, by the way, which I thought that was kind of interesting. And you know, who you got in there, you know? And the it makes you realize that, you know, basically Morgan's doing the same thing that happened to him um, from Eastman. You know, hey, I've got a guy in a cell. I'm going to keep feeding him. I'm going to nurse him back to health. And I'm going to basically, it's just doing a call back to what happened to him. But, you know, I was talking to uh, Matt on Facebook and a few other people. And here's my thoughts on this is that they're doing this. But we've seen all this struggle and conflict of, you know, hey, all life's precious. I'm not killing people. I want to live by all that. And he believes that he's going to maybe try to rehabilitate this wolf. But I think the reason we're going through all this is is that this is going to fail to make him understand he can't survive that way. What do you think? No, I kind of agree with you, but for it to fail – it's not going to kill Morgan. It's going to kill, kill somebody, somebody else. else. Yeah, somebody important. Right. So the consequences of him letting five of them go and they almost kill Rick wasn't enough to turn him yet. Yeah, the it consequence, was just lucky. The direct sight of this wolf killing someone who I think could possibly be this Denise character because he was already conflicted about bringing her into the situation as it is. Right. So say she's over there trying to heal the guy up and he gets a better hand over and slices her throat right in front of right. her and be like, you know, I told you, you should have killed me. The only thing is, and I know we only have one episode left is the tower has fallen. It's not like they're going to have a meeting of the minds between Carol and Rick and say, how are we going to handle this? The shit has hit the fan. You yes. know what I mean? So something's going to happen here where they're, the wolf is going to get out somehow or something. I don't know. Maybe they are, they are locked in there with the wolf with everything that's going on outside. Yeah, because if you think about be, it. Something bad's going to happen. I mean, honestly, Carol, Morgan, and Denise and the wolf should be locking themselves in that house. Right, and the reality of it is, you know, Carol and possibly even Morgan are well, going to want to go outside and try to help stop the melee, thus leaving Denise alone with the wolf. Yeah. That's what I'm kind of thinking might go down, you know, because Denise won't want to go outside, but then Morgan, you know, conflicted. So I, I don't know. It should They're not going to want Denise to go outside. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't They're- see Denise dying anytime soon. I mean, she's uh, – a big time actress. She's done really well and got some awards and I don't think they had her to kill her already, you know. But the thing of it is, for a mid season finale, we know they can't kill too many of our main characters. No. So you know they're gonna I say we know, but more than likely they're going to kill if they follow the pattern they've done for years. Yeah. If they can keep up with this consistent trait of the show. Yeah. They're going to kill people, and they're going to kill the people that aren't main characters, but have had enough screen time to cause an impact. Right. So you think of characters like Spencer, uh, Denise. Ron. Ron. Sam. Deanne. uh, Jesse. Deanna. Sam. Yeah, Sam. I mean, almost basically Alexandrians. Alexandrian fluff. Alexandrians that you know. 
The right. ones that my have name. been on the screen, right? My name. Because the other people that are in there, inconsequential. They'll be Walker fodder. You know, won't matter. But the other characters are going to do either something brave or they're going to tragic death. I think we are going to see a lot of Alexandrians. We really don't know or have seen. They're going to go out and they're going to fight. They're going to practice their new slashing techniques. And you're going to see a lot of them die horribly. Um, and that's going to be a lot of it. But then we're going we're gonna to have at least one, maybe two, of the other Alexandrians who bite the dust. All right, why don't we just finish the final scene so we can talk about predictions? Okay, I agree with you. All right, so first thing you see, there's four little flashes right at the end of this thing. First thing you see is Carl in his bucket hat going down the street, and you see Ron lifting his shirt up after he stole bullets, of course, and he's grabbing his gun. So it gives you that visual of, yeah, I'm going to shoot Carl. So then you see, you, throughout the episode, you hear, you, see, you hear the building cracking and pieces of wood come off, and they show that again. And then it shows the balloons go up, and everybody's like, oh, it's a signal. It's a signal. It's Glenn. It's got to be Glenn. Yeah, that's Glenn. And then the tower, snap, crackle, falls. Um, and that's the end of the episode. Um, First off, before we get off too much of this, what do you think about the tower falling? I'm very happy. Because I was really concerned about how they were going to make. The reason is, is in the comic book, which I can divulge, you know, the comparisons here. In the comic book, there was uh, a large horde of walkers all around the outside wall, right? Well, in the comic book, there was parts that they were trying to identify that were weak. And in one of those spots, the zombie weight made the wall fall. And that's how they got in. And there was a sacrifice right there at the wall as somebody was trying to hold it up for themselves and it was ugly. And so I was kind of like, that'd be kind of cool, you know, like people trying to hold it up for the last second. But the way they've got this wall filmed and as dynamic as it is and tall and sea channel and, of course, Rick's carpentry skills. Um, I was like, that's just not really plausible, you know. I mean, it's not like the fence at the prison where you see him weighing it down, you know what I mean? My thing so is, the tower taking it out, it was good. It was like it was something that happened a long time ago that has led to this scenario, you know. And so I, I, I think it's the most plausible explanation for the wall falling, and Walker's coming in. All right, I like the tower falling. I think it's a cool idea. Do I think the tower could have taken out that wall? Probably not. That is one part that did concern me. Is like right. it didn't have enough weight in it to right. do that, you know. But I, I've beaten enough to death of this episode. I'm just gonna I'm gonna soak it up. All right. Well, what do you think about those like small flashes of seeing the tower throughout the episode and pieces falling off of it and stuff? Kind of foreshadowing that something. Yeah, was I, happen. I knew that was going to happen. I, I, they were showing snap, crackle, pop, and I was like, okay, the tower is going to play a part into the wall falling. Right, you know? but. There was one scene at the very top of the tower where a board almost seems like it's kicked out. Yes, like it, you know, it like it's structurally off. failing. Yeah, well, how about the entire, it looked like a chainsaw had ran through the entire side of the building, you know, and I guess that was supposed to resemble the, the cracking and structural failing. Yeah, like an earthquake. But yeah, no, it, it looked like a massive termite went to lunch in a really squiggly line up the side of it. Yeah, I just didn't understand the force of which a board that was blocking a window just shot off all of a sudden yeah dramatic effect realistic no yeah i mean cool that they were foreshadowing it because i did not pick up on it at oh, first yeah. i knew as soon as they saw the you heard the 
all these little sounds and you see they just randomly show the tower i looked at my wife and said yeah the tower's going down that <laughs> you know and she's like what are you talking about and i said you'll see and i knew what they were going to do. i i i'm not saying i knew i'm just saying that i i really really believe the mid-season finale was going to be the horde breaking in and how they came up with it was how the show was going to be different because i just didn't think they were going to follow the comic because the comic book was pretty simple they just leaned on the wall it broke here, they needed something more considering the level of the wall they've created for the show. The tower was the perfect weapon for it. Right. Okay. Predictions. All right. First, let's talk about feedback. Okay. We got, we got some good stuff, um, as, as we always do. And so I'm always pleased that, you know, some people always, you know, seem to be always bringing something good and dynamic. Um, there was a question about the entire people were questioning us a, a lot. We got, I know Matt and a few other guys were talking about the timing of episode four, which was the Morgan episode, the hour and a half. They were saying it could have been better to be at towards the end of the season. Do you agree with that? Uh, no, not necessarily because we got three straight filler episodes, if you ask me. And it's weird to think, but I almost would have put the Morgan episode, like, almost, I would have, I would have edited it down and made it part of, like, episode one. You know, I would like to see it real early. I'm with you, you know, and when I was debating back and forth with, with Twitter and Facebook, I, I kind of told him, I said, we needed to have that early to be able to set up the other things that we've seen so far, the reasons he's kept this wolf alive, the the reason he let the five go, and the reason we don't you know, those kind of things we needed early. If anything, you could have done it sooner than episode four. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I could have literally put it as half of episode one, and it wouldn't have bothered me because we know he's there. He we saw, you know, Rick shoot Pete. We know Morgan is there. And you could have had a scene of where, well, you did a kind of him and Morgan talking about where you've been, how'd you get here and all that stuff, and then flash it back. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Eric um, s- seems to think that, um, how do you write this? He goes, do you guys think that Rosita's class <laughs> will enhance the next episode and possibly even save someone? Yes, I do, and I think that's kind of kind of lead into some of my predictions a little bit when we get to talking about them. Yeah, I think we're going to see people make a stand and see things, but I think we're also going to see a lot of people die. And so I thought that was really good. Um, what are the? Do you feel like there was Matt was talking about? I know Matt had a lot of good stuff. Um, he was talking about the crumbling tower. Do you feel like there was anything else that would have been better? To create the wall coming down that they had available. Not that they had available. I think this works pretty well. I think this works on most levels. You know, because I mean, they they had the truck plow through a corner of the tower for a reason. You know, that's what makes it un- structurally unsound. What's going to end up making it come down. You know, so in a way, in saving the town, Spencer, you know, Ended up hitting the tower. 
it's just chain and you know dominoes and whatever leads to what you know it's just i think the tower was the best solution for taking out a very structurally sound wall gotcha uh sarah wrote in and said guys who do you think has been the best character to follow this first half season Ooh, um, man, I don't know. You know, to me, the only character that's shown a lot of new and intrigue is Morgan to me. I mean, he's the one guy we've learned more about. I really enjoyed his hour and a half episode with him and the other guy. We've learned, you know, the highs and lows and where he comes. I mean, really haven't got that dynamic with anybody else. I mean, the only new characters or even somebody else that I can even follow in that category is like a Heath or a David or something like that, but they've been the one hit wonders, you know. Then I'd kinda I would say Glenn maybe. Just from all the Nicholas the stuff. Yeah. But then he was absent for three episodes. Yeah. So exactly. it's kinda like can't go that route. Then I'd say maybe Carol, because she's had some cool stuff and some, you know, highs and lows. I guess you got to go with Morgan. It's not like I hate Morgan. It's not like I hate seeing him on no. screen. I just hate the route he's is his character is taking. Well, let me ask you, I said that question first because Tasha uh, emailed me and said that, guys, do you see Morgan surviving this season? Not this mid-season finale, but this, just this season overall. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think so. Unfortunately, I mean, I know that they made him a full-time cast member, so I don't, you know, and I'm not saying that means anything, but I think uh, Lenny James is just such a good addition to this show. Um, and I'll be dang if they kill off another black character. You know, I just, not to say that, I'm just saying, I mean, like, they've killed just about every one of them. No, it's a trope. I, basically I mean, it basically it is, and it's almost it's, it's almost to the point I'm surprised it's not more of an issue, you know. I really don't, I'm really surprised, like, Twitter and Facebook, we don't have little you know, little snippets or little pictures of people, you know, you know, guess which one's going to die next. And there's only one black people. And everybody points at that, you know, something's stupid. Yeah. Well, I hope this mid season finale brings Morgan to a better balance that you can't be so far one direction. Right. You have to be kind of centered on it, you know? Right. Uh, James writes in and says, guys, love your show. Love the humor. Really enjoy how y'all's perspective. Appreciate that. Um, do you think this show is going to lead to seeing new characters uh, for the mid-season finale, or will we have to wait for the next half season? Um, Me personally, I don't think we're going to get a new character Sunday. I think everything new down the road is coming down the road. I don't think it's necessary to bring a new character no, in. No, not at this point. I think the only chance that we might get one is we still don't know exactly who was on the walkie talking to Daryl and Happy uh, you said that. Hold on, let me go through this. I had two other ones, emails about that. So they asked us, um, was it Alicia said that, uh, who do y'all feel like is on the walkie talkie now that um, there was a lot of debate about Glenn, do you, who do you think it could be? And uh, I heard a good, I heard a good suggestion. This is not mine. I was I just happened to listen, listen to another podcast, and the other person was convinced it was um, Eugene that he was at, at a radio and that he was calling. That was his voice calling for help, um, like foreshadowing that the whole Daryl group they're on their way back and the Walkers are already in. I don't know. It's. 
I mean, that would make sense with the timeline. I mean, like they're traveling back, and now we've already seen the tower fall, and they're in. So it technically could work. Based on my prediction, it doesn't necessarily fit to me. Okay. And me, I think it's the guy on the bike. So yeah, I'm leaning more towards those people, right? That stole Daryl's bike, mainly because I feel like if do we have any more feedback? Or can I run into a prediction? We'll just cut it right there. Okay, that's all right. I feel like they've been showing the Rosita class for a reason, especially focusing on Eugene. I think that the Walkers are going to get in. They're showing all the previews for the next episode. You know. People running for their lives and stuff. But I think this could be the moment where all these people that are scared kind of come out, take a stand. And you see this large group of people with Rick's help, with his people, like just go to Hacksville on all these walkers. You know, like following orders, moving. Hacking with their machetes correctly and stuff, you know, using the weapons they have. And I think within that, we're going to have a lot of death too. You know, characters are going to die and I'm sure some craziness will ensue. But at some point you feel like the Alexandrians are going to be like, okay, this is why we follow Rick's lead because we're strong this way. Right. You know, we can handle something like this. You know, I'm, I'm going to give you some credit here. You know, my predictions, my predictions are based a lot of them based on. Give the me your predictions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a dick, but anyway, um, your your prediction and assessment pretty much are pretty close to what the source material runs to. Oh, okay. Um, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody and stuff, but I mean, like, you know, the zombie, the zombie horde, Walker herd, what do you want to call it? You know, in the comic book, they like I've said before, they break into Alexandria, and there's a series of events that happen in the comic book, and I really, really hope that the show follows those lines, because they've set it up beautifully to follow those lines. Um, and I think one thing that I want to say, prediction-wise, is is that you know the what happens in the comic book can't happen because we've already the show has already you know removed certain characters that played a role in what the comic book had written. So, so there's no way to follow that. Well, you know you're going to get a remix. That's what I was going to say, is that the reason I said, what I'm predicting is, is that Ron and the Loaded Gun become the remix to the source material coming up. And that that, the whole reason we got saw him learn how to shoot a gun and now he has ammo and all that kind of stuff is going to be a big deal in the season, mid-season finale. No, I, I agree with you. I, I think, think the Ron situation is going to be a big deal. But do you think they're trolling us with Ron? Do you think he's following Carl, pulling his gun, learning from Rick? Do you think he's going to try to kill Carl or Rick? Um, I know you know things from the source material that you don't want to bring into this. But yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a tough question to answer without okay, giving me, away information. Let me ask this. Do you think it's possible that they're just trolling us, making it look so telegraphed that it, it's Ron's too obvious gonna, right that now? Ron's try to kill him? Or is he going to save Carl's life? Yeah, like one of, the, one of our feedbacks, going back to it, they asked me point blank, um, do you think 
that Ron is out to kill Carl or Rick or both? My answer initially is, is that Rick killed Ron's dad. So he lost someone he loved. And so my thoughts are Ron's going to kill something Carl Rick loves. To so take Carl would be the target. However, you bring up a great point of why show that? Why why troll us down that by him following behind old Bucket Hat, you know, and pulling the gun out at this time? Right. Was he planning on shooting him right there and all of a sudden the tower falls and now everything changes? You know what I mean? So now his motivation ends up being, okay, now I'm not going to um, – kill him i gotta survive which plays right into how the comic book material rolls out and so that's how you know there's that that's how that remix can set up and man jake i'm telling you if they do what the comic book says happens during this melee and how they say it like that get ready i'm oh, talking no, about I'm, it I'm, is going to be it's going to be epic if they do it right I'm excited because I think you're going to get a, if Glenn and Enid get in to help, then you're going to see an Enid-Ron-Carl situation too, I think. Yeah, that's the only thing that worries me about this is because in, in the source material, the group that's inside the walls doesn't match the show. And that's going to play a part. That's good though. The fact so that you know so much. That's what that's what makes me wonder how that's what makes me excited and that's drooling the to see yeah. okay how are they going to make this work and still have that impact the source material had. Which yeah. I think they're going to be able to do it and that's what I'm really looking forward to. No, I'm really looking forward to the finale cuz I think they've set it up to be pretty epic. All right, let's break it down. Who who is inside the walls that is capable of defending during this horde? We got Rick, Michonne, Maggie, Morgan, Carol, Carl. Jesse's somewhat shown herself to be decent. Well, would you classify? I mean, but these are people who could stand outside and. Because you see the little preview where you see them outside and there's melee going on. Yeah. I mean, Spencer, yeah, I, he can do with yeah, a gun somewhat. Yeah. But no, our. Yeah, it's your Our core, main badasses yeah. are going to be Rick, Michonne, Carol, you know, Morgan too, obviously, if, depending on what the Morgan and Carol situation is going to be. Exactly. And that really, there's a lot of wrenches into the, you know, into the situation. So that's I think what's going to get really curious. Mostly, I think we're going to get the two constables yeah. back to back. In, <laughs> uh, Morgan, I mean, Michonne and Rick. Yes. You know, yes. With their abilities. I mean, realistically, she can just keep slicing back side to side and there's not really much going to be able to get to her. That's the thing. With all these houses and places to run in here, Michonne should be able to wipe out a mass amount of Solo. these. Solo. Completely. Yeah. yeah. Even with the machete and these raisin heads, they can go across. They ain't a problem. I'd be double wielding. And know? not to mention you have a arsenal of yeah. guns. You know, as long as you're able to get to it, I don't care how many they are. Yeah. I'd be greasy. Realistically, all you need is Terra. Give her a nine millimeter. I mean I mean, crack shot terror. Just hook Terra up with the Matrix level amount of guns and all nine millimeter pistols. Yeah. And just and she'll just, just come in. Yeah. You know. It'd be like watching a Call of Duty commercial. Boondock you know. Saint style. Just <laughs> I mean. 
<sighs> She's yeah. brutally accurate. <laughs> and pregnant. One-handed. Yeah. Hanging off a wall. Pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Dropping the, them like it's hot. The fetus you. has got a gun. Aiming it out. <laughs> Just got one arm hanging out. Oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs> you went there. Oh, we just lost viewers. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're good. We'll call it right here. Yeah, that's good, man. Um, guys, we always appreciate you. You got a few minutes to give us a positive review. We always appreciate it. We don't like to beg. But anyway, uh, you can reach us at at bleed tv podcast on twitter uh, bleed tv podcast at gmail.com and of course we have a facebook page and a website bleed tv dot dot com which has done us really well by the way if you're an amateur like we are <laughs> uh wanting to get into podcasting and so on we've had a great experience with them so give them a little nudge uh, it's something good to look at um very inexpensive paid service and man we, we've never had an issue and really appreciate them so other than that, I think we're going to call it. Um, sorry that we had a delay. We had a little scheduling snafu yesterday. I know we usually would produce these on Monday nights, but um, we had some computer issues and even had a glitch with our other pod. So uh, uh, we'll have everything going out and hopefully back on the normal time. But uh, everybody, really appreciate you. Uh, this is Bleed TV, and I'm Zach. And I'm Jake. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Later. <laughs>